This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Now, there was speculation as to whether this podcast would actually come off this week, right here, right now, based on what happened last week. And I'm talking about a road trip between our own Darren Urban, Danny Sarek, and other Cardinals employees out to the combine. As we say, welcome in here to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation, Pauly Podcast over here. So I feel like even though I see you guys, just to verify for everyone else, the listening audience, the Red Sea and company, Maybe we should take roll. Darren Urban? Yeah, I'm here. Danny Sarek? Present. Okay, so you defied the odds and the speculation that you two would be at odds after a week on the road together. It was really going to be one or the other. It was going to be either you had each other's throats or your BFFs, and it looks like it's it's more like the latter, which is good for Cardinals Underground. I'm just being professional here, Paul, on the <laughs> podcast. I'm going to keep it real. I'm just being professional, right. working with Darren. If this wasn't your job, <laughs> you wouldn't be here, <laughs> is what you're saying. With me. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's good. because <laughs> uh, affair. I don't know, but Darren was finishing a sentence you had earlier, so I don't, you guys must have you know, bonded to a certain degree on the road. Come on now. Yes, we did. Uh, yeah, I would I would say that uh, the first time uh, being able to work with Danny at the Combine was a, a rousing success along with Grayson and, and Kyle. So We had a few things to talk about. Yes. Some things happened while we, we were I might there. add a couple beverages too. Yeah, you were just comparing photos, and you didn't show me all the photos. There were only a couple of photos you kept between yourselves. So, uh, the I, photos know. taken you know, after 5 o'clock, you're not going to get to see, Paul. <laughs> I see. Okay. All right. Uh, it's good. It's good because – You know how the combine is. Like, everybody in that town is out having a beverage. Right. That has to do with the NFL after hours. That's just how it is. It's I, networking. Networking. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> networking. I did see one headline, and this is a real story on NFL.com from the combine. I'm just going to quote the headline because, I mean, here we go. The fastest offensive line class ever at the 2022 Combine. Now, what does what sense does that make? Who cares about whether it's the fastest offensive line? I think that's a fair. That reminds me of the old ASU punter a couple years ago who did like 35 Matt reps on the, on the bench. Like I what, was there live when he did that, by What the way. connection does that have to punting? And, well, and what does the fastest O-line class have to do with play in the trenches? It, it, given, I saw that headline. I'm like, there's going to be a lot more going on that we're not privy to at the Combine. You know what? The two of you prove that. Given the fact that uh, Matt Turk did the 25 25- reps on the bench press as a punter and then ended up pulling out of the draft altogether when he realized he wasn't going to get picked. (laughs) Obviously nothing. Yes, so there you go. So we were on a Zoom podcast uh, earlier, a Zoom call, I should say, a league call about podcasts. Right, Danny, earlier today? And at one point they had a discussion as to whether it was worthy to have NFL podcasts 52 weeks a year as to whether you should shut down. or I'm like, what are you talking about? There is always something to talk about, is there not? 
And is today and this week not proof of exactly that? Because all of a sudden, moments before we hit the record button here on Cardinals Underground, what went down and out of the NFC West, Danny? Well, the NFC West specifically, well, that would have to do with uh, former Seattle Seahawks quarterback mm. Russell Wilson, who is no longer in the NFC West. As of now, it's yes. Well, Drew actually, Locke. technically, as of now, it's still right, Russell pending, Wilson. Right, pending. Pending. Okay, Darren, you don't need to burst I'm my bubble. Saying, See, Paul, this is what I'm saying. This I'm just trying got. to be yep. professional. After a week of it, she doesn't want any more of it. <sighs> he, Russell Wilson, pending, passing his physical. <laughs> and the new go- league year yes, starting. Yes, will be going to Denver. So, Drew Locke will now be joining Seattle in the NFC West. Why do you keep bringing up Drew Locke? Oh, my goodness. It's the alma mater. Okay, you share the same alma mater. I'm like, what does Drew Locke have to do with any – it's sort of like – you don't the think word, Drew, we're not going to see Drew Locke this year? It's still like putting the word fastest next to offensive lineman. I mean, who cares? <laughs> it doesn't doesn't really Hurtful, matter. Paul. By the way, I'm just going to go with my hot take right here, right now, right off the top. Russell Wilson is the former quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. And by the way – it's always the last place Seahawks. Effective this offseason, it's always you shall refer to Seattle as the last place Seahawks. Capiche? Okay. So Russell Wilson is the former quarterback of the last place Seahawks. I say the future quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, Malik Willis at number nine overall. Tick tock. Here comes Malik Willis to Seattle and I, their I gotta, brand new quarterback. I got to be honest, it's it's not really a hot take. I've, I've seen about a bunch of people bring that up since See, the trade. He, he's so. not working up. He's not working with me. Either, I'm not Danny. working with him. I'm not working with him. Wow. I mean, my goodness. It, it's reported <laughs> the trade is is what two Seattle will get two first, uh, two first, and two, two second, seconds, and, like and a, a fifth, fifth, and three players for a fourth and Russell Wilson. Sheesh. But see, here's the here's here's the more interesting. See, this is what I thought your hot take was going to be, Paul, because oh boy. people are bringing up Malik Willis. Okay. The hot take I thought you were going to have was they were going to then turn around and t- take this haul and send it to Houston for Deshaun Watson. Oh, boy. Whoa. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Heck, why, why would you do? Why would you say that? I had, I had people mad at me because I pointed out that the Cardinals still have to see Russell Wilson this year playing Denver, and I got in trouble for not letting them – enjoy the moment of Russell Wilson being traded. If I bring up that the Seahawks could get Deshaun Watson, I- I'm going to get all kinds of hate out there. I mean, what would it It's really... all your fault, Darren. Yeah, clearly. I mean, the Houston Texans are going to owe Deshaun Watson $35 million this year. They would take number nine overall and be done with it. I mean, that's all done, right? If you're Houston, I would take number nine overall for Deshaun Watson and run with that. I see. I disagree because I think if there is a market for let's, – let's look at it this way. <sighs> I would not want Deshaun Watson on my team because of what's going on with him off the field. But we all know that football teams do things for football reasons. And if you have any kind of market, because there's been a lot of talk that the Eagles might be interested in Deshaun Watson if he can get his situation cleared up. I mean, they're not – if Russell Wilson is worth two firsts and two seconds, what's Deshaun Watson at six years younger than him going to be worth? But that if you throw in there is a massive if. Well, again, I don't think a trade's happening unless he, unless everybody knows he can play, right? I mean, you can't trade for him if you're not sure. But when will you have resolution if you're Houston? When will there be some sort of resolution in the courts? You don't know. So at that point leading up to yeah, the draft, see, do you not take number nine overall and just be done with it, wash your hands of the whole thing? You're assuming you're – well, I mean, so if you're Seattle, are you trading for a guy that – I mean, if you trade for a guy, you give up a nine, and then it, he ends up 
and and now we're all just speculating. But something happens, and he ends up in jail. If you're the if you're the Seahawks, do you really want to trade, and that's all you get out of that trade? That's how you try to rebuild. Hey, by the way, we just made a big trade for a guy that's you know I, I don't know. I, I just I think it's going to have to be cleared up more than this. I don't want to pile on the last place Seahawks, but you're probably better off trading for a known for an actual player than going through the draft. Because remember the stat we threw out about a month ago here on Cardinals Underground. Since 2016, the Seattle Seahawks, John Schneider, the GM, he's had 52 draft picks, and they have. Had only three pro bowlers one of those was a punter so <laughs> they have been gone bone dry in they the draft when it comes to finding players and they traded away two first round picks for jamal adams who's their second best safety behind quandre Diggs, who had that heinous ankle injury against the cardinals in the final game of the season who knows what his status is effective next season so and by the way denver goes to seattle Russell Wilson will be going with the Broncos to Seattle as the NFC West plays the AFC West this year. So the 12s better get ready for a 50-burger from Russell Wilson and company up in Seattle when the Broncos come to town. The AFC West, though, those quarterbacks? Yeah, I think think with the movement of this quarterback, I think it officially moves the best division in the NFL from the NFC West to the AFC West. I think that's fair at this point. I would agree with that. Because we don't know what's going to happen with Trey Lance. We don't know if he's going to be. I've seen a bunch of that on Twitter as well, by the way. The whole AAC West is better than the AFC West take, by the way. No, no, I have definitely, yeah, I mean. But you know what? Okay, you want a hot take? I'll give you a stinking hot take. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree here with we go. this time. Just here so we go. Make feel no, here's, here's a good hot take. And I've said this before to some degree, and I do believe this. The NFC West will regain supremacy and superiority when Tom Brady Oh my God! Is a member of the 49ers. I forgot you felt that way. So they're just they're they're just relinquishing the top division title to the AFC West for a moment in time, and they'll regain that title, that crown, when Tommy comes to the Bay Area and returns home to play for his hometown Niners. In 2023 is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't care what BA says. They they'll, they'll make it happen at some BA point, made some it way. Pretty clear it was bad yeah. business. Yeah, but you know what? On March 2nd, did we not? And this is a real headline. I can show you a picture if you don't believe it. AP, headline, football division. Seahawks say they're not open for business on dealing Russell Wilson. Yes. That was when you guys were at the Combine, actually. That, is. that was That was Coach Double Rainbow at the podium saying, we have no intention, quote, unquote. And then in a breakout group with the beat writers said, we're not shopping the quarterback. Now, if you parse those two statements – Neither one precludes them from doing exactly what they just did, right? We have no intention. Well, at this moment, and then we're not shopping the quarterback. Well, you don't have to be shopping the quarterback for someone to call and make you an offer you can't refuse. So it's all in the way you say it. So for anyone to have thought that the Seahawks were not going to trade Russell Wilson, uh, guess what? Coach Double Rainbow had something up the sleeve. And this wasn't even the only quarterback news today, Paul. You're changing the topic to... Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yes, that is true. Yeah, so I think, right? the NFC got weak, weaker, but not completely weak. Would you rather seen Aaron Rodgers go to Denver or Russell Wilson? I'm going to say Russell Wilson because it gets you out of the division. That's right. Yep. Uh, by the way, um, I mean, think about what Seattle is entering into right now. They trade away Russell Wilson at 33 years of age. There is no guarantee you're getting that next quarterback. Look what Denver just went through. I didn't realize it was this bad. Since Peyton Manning left 2015, 2016, 
I think it was after the 15 season when they beat the Panthers. Okay. So they've gone through 10 different starting quarterbacks. 10? The Denver Broncos. And they've had a different starter. See, this is what happens. Like, uh, you, you've been with Dallas. You don't even care about Denver. <laughs> That's right. That's right. When you're in Dallas, I mean, you're just sucked in and mesmerized by the star. You know, it's Does that sort of, surprise you, really? To, just, I mean, I know that they've been – Going you got through a, list there, a bunch Paul? of different quarterbacks. I didn't realize it was ten. That makes me think of Bridgewater, Cleveland. Osweiler. I do not have now. A list. One of them is going to be the fill-in wide receiver last year that had to play because the whole room was That's true. hit with COVID. That's true. But oh, they, I was thinking. Okay, well then they've had a different starter though. Each of the last five season openers, they've gone into each of the last five seasons with a different starting quarterback. So once again, Seattle might think it got a haul, and it might think. They've got a bright future, but until you find that guy, there is no amount of picks that will suffice and get you to the promised land, as Look, we know, Darren, I in between Kurt say. Warner and Carson Palmer and everything in between. I mean, again, this is why the Kyler Murray <clears throat> conversation is so important right now, and that's for lack of a better way of saying it. It is, and in fact, Eric Burkhart, Kyler Murray's agent tweeted it out after the trade, which was, again, if you, you either have a franchise quarterback, you don't. And you can make your arguments about Kyler Murray and getting paid uh, and all that stuff. And, and you know, eventually that's going to work itself out. But you're right, Paul. You, you've seen you, you see what you have when you don't have that quarterback. And, and what makes it tough is and I'm going to. Uh, you know, look, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with Kyler, but what, what makes it tough is you have – you don't want to be in that gray area either. Like, I think Kirk Cousins is a solid quarterback. I think he's better than – and forgive me for saying this, guys, but John Skelton and Kevin Cobb and Ryan Lindley, he's better than those guys, significantly probably. But is Max Hall and Rich Bartel. Yeah, go well, ahead. we could go yeah. down the list. Um, but – is Minnesota going to win a championship with him? Nope. So is he a franchise quarterback? And that's the thing is like the the thing that 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 you have to wonder a little bit about Russell Wilson is how much of it is who's around him, who has been around him, and how much of it is he's got a certain level. I mean, the the arguments have been made when Seattle had their best teams were when their defense was ultra good and then Russ could make things happen. But when the defense has struggled and it was all about the offense. Now, I do think they've done a terrible job with their offensive line. I do think Pete Carroll leans way too much on the run game, all those things. But, I, you know, I don't know what happens to Seattle now, to be honest. I mean, there was then I saw a tweet uh, that claimed that there was a source that said that Seattle's willing to take calls on Tyler Lockett. Mm. And well, it makes sense because I was about to say they're two best players of the two receivers. Yes. And now they have no one to throw them the ball. And so they might take calls on Tyler Lockett. And oh, by the way, uh, we talk a million times about Kyler Murray 2019 draft class now eligible, eligible for extension. That also means who is eligible? DK Metcalf, who, by the way, because he's a second round pick doesn't have a fifth-year option. So he's going into the last year of his deal. He either gets a new one or they're going to have to worry about tagging him. And he was already upset with not getting the ball enough, and now you're going to have a quarterback who might struggle getting him the ball? I don't know. Yeah. No. I've, i got to be honest. I'd rather be the Cardinals right now. 
Last time the Cardinals. Lucky for you then, Darren. Here you go. Trivia question. Thanks, Danny. What year was it? What season was it the last time the Arizona Cardinals swept the Seattle Seahawks? As you two exchange, I mean, what what would you would you say was that sort of a death stare you gave uh, Danny or vice versa? There, what, what, what no, just, he was laughing. He's what, having fun. What, was it akin to the death stare we have the picture of you during that one interview with the Cardinals head coach? <laughs> I mean, my goodness, what's going on here? We got some mean mugs going on here during Cardinals Underground that really link back to the Cardinals Combine as I'm trying to buy you guys some time to answer the trivia question. They swept them? The last season. Put the phone down. No looking at Google. The last time the Cardinals swept the Seahawks, what year was it? I'm going to go with 2009. (laughs) Dang it. He really is no fun. You know what I mean? He's no fun. He got it. He got it. He's stinking. That was going to be my guess, too. My goodness. Come on. I mean, 2012, they weren't doing it. 2012 was when Russ showed up and he beat them the second time. And then 20. 11 and 2010 the cardinals were not good they weren't sweeping anybody those days so yes that is correct last time the cardinals swept the seahawks 2009 i think i think they won in seattle in 2009 27 to 3 i think you know what i'm not looking that up just just for the principle of it all we're just gonna go ahead and say you're right because you're probably right darren I'm also buying myself some time before we get to the kyler question okay Uh, the latest question is um what do you make of the ig scrub Kyler reverses his Instagram scrub, scrub is yeah. what the uh, is what all the headlines are screaming. So, Danny, you're still in the 18 to 34 demo despite an upcoming <laughs> birthday. Yep, let's make so, that clear. Still in yep, that demographic. Yep. So maybe maybe as you rub that into Darren in particular, um, maybe I should go to you on this one. What do you make? Once again, it's the modern day inkblot test. Somebody does something with their social media account, and we're left to try and translate it. What does this all mean? I think it didn't mean a whole lot to begin with, which is what we all kind of said when this happened, however many weeks ago that was. You could pull up the podcast, and we were all saying, "There's." A, I think I even said, like, there's a good chance we will probably see these posts back on his Instagram. He probably didn't even permanently delete them. And I don't know how many posts Kyler had before, but he's got, like, three or 400 <laughs> back up now, so I'm going to assume all of the posts are back. I don't necessarily – I see this as something that got blown out of proportion to begin with. So I don't really see it as much. Hmm. I know some people were curious about maybe the timing because it, unless people notice at the same time, it happened the same morning when Aaron Rodgers, that original. You know what? Maybe that's it, Paul. Maybe the contract Kyler was looking for wasn't his own but Aaron Rodgers, and now that Aaron (laughs) Rodgers got his contract. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying that's what people online, I'm like, I don't understand how that has anything to do with it. Right. Darren had an epiphany there, but I guess you're not. Maybe down he with was it. just taking a taking a social media break. Yeah. Danny, d- do you need That's a social it. media break during your day? You know, Cliff Kingsbury instituted that for the locker room upon arrival, and he was ridiculed for that. And then he was asked about that with, with Pat McAfee. And, you know, Coach Cliff got a chance to flex a little bit because he kind of was ahead of his time on that one and now that's probably more the norm than the exception right so you know how much time per day would you say you spend on Instagram because I guess I'm a little surprised that you're the one dismissing all the Instagram antics by Kyler Murray even though I do fit in that below 34 demographic I want to make that clear again um I'm not the biggest like social media savvy person to begin with if I didn't need it for my job I think I would probably take social media breaks. I, you know what? I actually tried that in a, I guess it was sort of like 
the like COVID, like March or April 2020. And I kid you not, the day I like deleted my Twitter app was when, when I was still working for the Cowboys, they had stuff happen with Amari Cooper and his new deal. And I was like, this is a sign that I just, I, I, I can't take a break from social media. It's not meant to be. So if it weren't for my job, I'd probably take hmm. more breaks. I don't, I know our so, boss, so our boss listens to this podcast, so I don't spend a lot of time on Instagram during the day. <laughs> I see. Shout out to Tim. <laughs> right. So during COVID, you needed a social media break just to keep your sanity is what you're saying. So, yes. Yeah. That's good. You know, I need one every once in a while just to get away from the stock market. So, you know, it's uh, it's all to each their own. So, uh, Darren, you have a take on what we should glean from this social media uh, reverse scrub? Uh, no. Well, I mean, I mean I not have to a get take. all metaphysical here or anything. But, I have you know. a take, but okay. it, it's probably going to be similar, which is, look, I, I think it's dangerous to start wondering those things. Ultimately, we can ask Kyler whenever he decides to talk. My guess is he's going to say it was never any big deal. It just happened to coincide with some other things. I don't know. Um, I don't think anything's been resolved necessarily. Um, you know, is it a gesture of good faith? I'm going to say probably not because not that he doesn't want to have a gesture of good faith, but I'm just like I, that doesn't benefit the Cardinals at all, you know, to, to put it back. I mean, I, I guess in the end it, it felt like uh, a lot about nothing. Um, and – we don't even need to really look into the IG stuff anymore. I mean, through True. his agent, he made very yep. clear what his stance was. So right. we don't have to guess right. at Instagram. My opinion, thanks for asking. <laughs> I'd say the contract extension is more a matter of when than if. Are you guys with me on this one? It's it just a are matter. You saying, are we understanding what you're saying or are we agreeing with you? <laughs> Either one. Either one. I'm I understand mean, what you're saying, and okay. I, I, I've actually thought that for a little while now especially Joe, after the extension to the head coach and the gm that was part of it but i also even the way michael buildwell talked about it when he was on newsmakers week on arizona sports i felt like he didn't sound like a guy who was like yeah we're not not giving this guy anything true true and then to your cliff kingsbury from the combine and it was on the mcafee show where he said you know hey we banked our careers quote unquote myself and steve kime on kyla murray it doesn't sound like a couple of decision makers about to part ways with the guy they drafted and they've groomed and now they're on board long term i would figure the quarterback is to follow it's just a matter of when instead of if and i bring that up in part because i think perhaps here's where the rub or the friction is that if you look at history you know there have been six quarterbacks who were extended going into year four after year three and three were no-brainers and three we're not so good. Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, and then Ryan Tannehill, somewhat debatable. But if you look at the fact that Wentz was extended in June, Mahomes was extended in July, Allen was extended in August, Watson and Goff were extended in September. So to me, it's more a matter of when instead of if. And if Team Kyler wants it before the draft, for example, then okay, maybe that wasn't the expectation of the club. And they want to wait – for a multitude of reasons, perhaps till after the draft and into the summer, A, to see how free agency and the draft picks pan out and where that leaves them in terms of the cap ramifications of what they're able to do this year, and then that leads into the following years. And also because these are very complicated, complex contracts. That You know what? You're pouring your resources and thought and all that time right now into free agency and the draft, and then once that all settles down and it comes May and June, you can concentrate on getting this deal done. 
unlike extending a head coach or GM, which is really simple and has no future ramifications for the most part since it doesn't have to be fit under the cap, right? And ultimately, it's just ownership money. It's just the team deciding whether to extend a coach or a GM. And if you decide to pull the plug like Steve Wilkes, well, guess what? There's no cap ramifications there. It's just the club having to eat the rest of that contract. So to me, that's that's where I think perhaps the question exists right now. I don't think you're far off on that. It has felt early, like all of these, the contract talks. And given that's probably because I'm not the one who's asking for a contract extension. But you're right. It, these that's good to know. I file that now but go mm. ahead Darren Darren's trying to be snarky with me now well, she has, to, I, I can take it I, I condition and take it That's she's okay. like coach double rainbow though she has no intention no intention yeah, no intention gonna say, we're gonna parse now, some words right now now but next week who knows no I would say that 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 take makes a lot of sense in terms of timing right you are looking at free agency and the cap and and all that stuff and there are ways to get around it of signing bonuses and all of that and you know other teams are starting you know players are willing to adjust their contracts to have more room in the cap so you can get other players to start building around and all that stuff. There's just a lot of moving parts. So I think that's part of it too is it, it takes time, and that's probably why a lot of those quarterbacks aren't getting those new contracts until late spring, early, midsummer, right before the season starts. Is it's, It takes a lot. It's, it's a lot of moving parts to make sure it's working for everybody involved and not only just the organization and the quarterback, but again – how that's going to leave you money and space for all these other players to give your quarterback to have success. How different do you guys think the roster is going to look two months from now? I think very different. I, I think, I think there's a, too many free agents. I, I think that's a fascinating question. It does feel like – I feel like the roster has that chance because it's not just that they have a bunch of free agents, but that it seems like it's going to be very difficult to re-sign a lot of them because of what's going to be available to them on the open market. But, I mean, I guess we're going to see. I think the other big deal is is it. there are some key free agents, but they're all like – the key free agents are all at high-profile positions. If you're talking about Chandler Jones off the edge or your two top running backs or, I mean, even, even a tight end and wide receiver. I mean, guys that – I mean, these aren't your special teams aces, although right. Charles Washington is up and – Chris Banjo. Chris Banjo is up, yeah. so there's that too. And Ezekiel Turner. So, I mean, okay, never mind. Even the special teams aces are all up. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's some key positions. You know, that number two receiver, the edge rusher. Uh, what exactly, you know, are you going to do if you're in the market for possibly even a number one corner, you know, starting offensive lineman if you're looking for a starting guard? Uh, we know how that works. There are some guys available around 30 years of age, but most likely you're going to have to overpay for some of those proven names at interior offensive line. So then again, some other names seemingly become available day after day, whether it's a Harold Landry all of a sudden who could hit the open market with Tennessee, a young and upcoming pass rusher. Could he be a guy you bring in off the edge and you make a serious investment? Zadarius Smith, the Packers have serious cap issues. And even Brian Gutekunst was saying in, in the course of talking about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams saying, yeah, we'd like to have Zadarius Smith back, but dot, 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 right? I mean, they're 40-plus million over the cap. And he's a very effective pass rusher when he's healthy. So that's the other thing is – yeah, the Cardinals might lose some guys, some names that we've all counted on to be real playmakers for this team and difference makers in past years, but there are also just as many names hitting the open market that you, know, you don't anticipate 
becoming Arizona Cardinals. Look at two years ago, DeAndre Hopkins. Last year, J.J. Watt. You know, don't be surprised if you are surprised, I guess is what I'm saying, three weeks from now. Houston's running out of players, Paul. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, though, Paul, is Yeah, if this, you can get Bill O'Brien, get... wherever Bill O'Brien is, target him in any trade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to necessarily say there's going to guaranteed a big splash free agency signing, but you look at DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt and – there's something very intriguing to players around the league to come play with Kyler Murray and the rest of this Cardinals team. That's not to say you can get free agents who aren't those big names and they can still be playmakers and make a difference on this team. But I, I, that, that's what makes me excited for free agency time is the fact that players around the league are Zach Ertz. I mean, that wasn't that was later in the season, of course, but there's something about this team and this organization that players around the league have taken note of. And that, that makes it fun because that means players want to come to the Cardinals. By the way, you know, I was going to say we did a podcast and we didn't have a chance to get to it. Um, and I won't blame the two of you for extending and, you know, overextending your time during the podcast. But I thought I'd bring it up right here. <laughs> what if you turn Steve Kime into, you know, that used car commercial you used to see on the UHF stations when you were a kid? You know, the dealingist, right? The local car dealer. He's the dealingist. What is the best aspect of Steve Kime as a general manager? His ability to execute trades, right? I, I, Rhetorical I would, question. I would say that's okay. true. Okay. What if you just turned him right now into the dealingist? It's right here, right now. You're hosting the Super Bowl next year. You want to play in that Super Bowl. The NFC West is weaker. The NFC is weaker. If your time is truly now, then what about just unleashing Steve Kime on the open market to execute trades? Guess what? We're taking calls at number 23 overall. You want to call about any of our other draft picks, any of our other players? Have at it. Let's go. Because I tell you what, in Kime I trust when it comes to the trade market more than anything. And if the Rams were able to execute a trade that really put them on the path to a Super Bowl, and by the way, that, that deal right now getting Matthew Stafford for a couple of ones and Jared Goff in, as opposed to what – Denver just paid for Russell Wilson. Looks like a pretty good. Looks like he was pretty well bought, Matthew Stafford, right now compared to what Denver just gave up to get Russell Wilson. Right. Well, I, I will say this. Yes, although at the times of the trade, Russell Wilson has had a better reputation. I mean, you didn't know exactly what you were getting with Matthew Stafford, and let's face it, until the playoffs, you people were still questioning if Matthew Stafford was True. much better. And if you look at the analytics. Matthew Stafford, what he has done in that offense is remarkably similar to what Jared Goff did in that offense. So you wonder a little bit about that. The The problem with the trader part of it isn't so much – I mean, I understand what you're saying, but, like, you can't say my business is open, what do you want? That's, that's somebody who does work saying we're not going to do anything next year, so we're trying to build up for the later. If you're really going – trying to do the all-in stuff – then Steve Kime is the guy going and calling teams saying, I want this, and here's what I'll give you for it. Which, that's fine, but it's a little different than saying, hey, league, I'm open for business. What are you willing to give me? That's true. Right. That's a team that's not going anywhere. No, you're right. I guess, what, yeah, I'd be more passive-aggressive when you need to be more proactive. Yeah. I, I agree. And you're right. Russell Wilson, think about it, has 16 career playoff games under his belt and a Super Bowl title. Jared Goff, Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford was 0-3 in the playoffs. Right. So you're right. They have a different postseason yes. resume and pedigree. Now, now, if you now it looks yeah. great for the Rams, and sure. it worked out well for them. Yeah. Props so, to them. 
Yay them. I Happy guess, for them. I guess is what, I, what I'm saying is I would not be opposed to trading away number 23 overall. For example, if you got a proven edge rusher, if you got a proven 1A type receiver, you know, if, if you got a couple of a, a proven starting number one corner, for example, I would not be opposed to trading away number 23. Even though, oh, me neither. Even though you're the only team in the division with a first-round draft pick this year, and you like that, you like the sounds of that. Seattle. Oh, that's true. Now Seattle's Seattle is number nine overall. Yeah. You're right. So, uh, by the way, the latest mock draft that I just saw on NFL.com has the Cardinals taking Chris Olave from Ohio State. Who had a heck of a combine, did he not? The, yes. the Ohio State wide and, receiver. He's got I've size. He has speed. People attach him. I, I just, I don't know if they keep their first round pick. I don't know if they go after a receiver. I still think it's going to be a. I, I think you could get a, a an offensive lineman who drops, or a good cornerback, or an edge rusher. And I think those are more likely in the first round than a receiver. But that's just me. Danny, how would you feel about a receiver? I'm okay with taking a wide receiver. I think the last couple of years have proven that a lot of those rookie wide receivers have had great first years in the NFL. I mean, there's a whole list of you were you were naming them off in your mailbag too, or it was in a question looking at some of those rookie wide receivers of Justin Jefferson, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase. Oh yeah, Lamb. that's right. Did you see the mailbag this week, Paul? <laughs> no. Oh boy. You got you got partially caught. I, I, I got I got a, I got a facial. Oh, that was is that, that what question. happened? That was not my intention. I've got it right here. I should make clear, Oh boy, look now I, now he's really I look I at the alacrity with he's which he's working on the keyboard. Danny just put it on yep. blast. A chance. I, did not, I forgot face that. Face Calvisi. I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Joaquin. Hi, Darren. Love listening to you guys on Cardinals Underground. Also, Danny has been a great addition, which is why Danny yep. saw the question in the first place. Is this I Joaquin Andahar? Because he was known for throwing high heat and hitting a batter. I feel like I'm going to take one. Some chin music right now. I know this is not a question, but can you please correct Paul Calvisi on his old trope of receivers not panning out in the first round and relieve him of his fears? The last two first rounds, Jamar Chase, historically good. Jalen Waddle, very good. Devontae Smith, very good. Kadarius Toney, injured rookie season, but showed showed serious flashes. Devontae Smith, very good? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I don't know about good. very good, and I, I, I didn't hear great things about Toney. Rashad Bateman looks poised to be Baltimore's number one. Henry Ruggs, we won't go there. Jerry Judy. <laughs> Disaster. Jerry Judy has been solid, but they've had t- terrible quarterbacks, and I'm willing to say that. C.D. Lamb made a Pro Bowl. Jalen Ragor is bad. Justin Jefferson and Brandon Ayuk has been actually pretty good. Decent. Really up and down this year, though. Really up and down, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, he, he actually probably True. was better his rookie year than he was but, this past year. You know. So my, my point was not to to right. bring up the question. That I think your point was to drill Paul, but that's okay. <laughs> no, my point my, being, my point was the hit rate has been 50-50 at best. And if you're uh, if you think you're poised to have a Super Bowl window, can you rely on that first round receiver? That's been my point. If the if if you see that kind of caliber at a wide receiver at 23, a top need for this team. I I still think that wide receiver is probably one of their top three needs on this team, whether that's through the draft or free agency. So if you feel like you can find a young receiver that can be a difference maker and that will work well with Kyler Murray, I'm not entirely opposed to that. I, Do I think there are other positions that will probably make more sense because the further you drop down in the draft, you see a larger drop-off in a lot of those positions, like an edge rusher yeah. or offensive line or something like that? Yes. C- but I'm not I'm not going to completely nix the idea that I would be uh, anti-wide receiver uh, at 23. I'm, I'm the same way. I, I do think you can find – 
receivers a little bit later. But I got a question, Paul. When you start talking about hit rate, what what's the difference between a receiver in the first round and any other position? It's about 50. In fact, Steve Kime just said that the other day. Like, first-round picks are about 52% on, on the scale the Cardinals use on whether it's a success. And all their bar is for right. success is that you start in the league, not well, even that you're great. I had a graphic, and I wish I had it at my fingertips, but – the hit rate, this was going into last year's draft, and I tweeted it out, and I ripped it off an ESPN morning show, but it was one of those NFL next-gen stats that they posted up there. The hit rate of wide receiver in the first round was the worst of any position. That was the stat, and I'll try and find the photo. I took a picture of the screen about last April going into last year's draft. Um, it, here's the thing, though. Three weeks from now, if you're sitting there in the receiver room, and Sean Jefferson has only two seats occupied, basically. It's D Hop and it's Rondell Moore and a bunch of guys named Bueller. Okay. I mean, Antoine Wesley, I guess, is there. But other than that, Andy Isabella, who knows? Honestly, I would keep Andy Isabella right now, A, because his cap number is less than $2 million, and B, if you're going to move Rondale Moore outside, I would use Andy Isabella in the Rondale Moore role that he just had this year. I would just Why? make him the lateral guy, the jet sweep guy, the bubble screen guy. I would just keep Andy Isabella in the Rondale Moore type role. What will you possibly get in a trade for Andy Isabella? Okay, that makes it worthwhile. There's two different things we need to talk about here. <laughs> anyway, that's Number just one, an aside. Wh what makes you think Rondale Moore is playing outside? Sean Jefferson, we had him on the Big Red yeah, Rage. Yeah, he said he might use him. So he ain't going to be your outside receiver. You might use Why him not? outside. That I mean, he, Because he's 5'9". He, he, but wait a minute. That's how, tall. How, how, yeah, there you go. <laughs> how, how much shorter is that than Tyreek Hill? A couple inches? I mean, Sean Jefferson looked us right in the eye and talked about how robust his route tree is and how he has the ability to run these these – these routes downfield, and so um, I will be stunned if Rondale Moore is their full-time number two outside receiver. Stunned. Now maybe he will, but I will be stunned. And I think Andy Isabella. I think, I think the reason you let him seek a trade at this point is because you might be if you're if you can get something for him, maybe you you go ahead and you you get that pick, but ultimately. I don't. I I think you do keep him if you can't get anything for him because you do at least until you know who else you're going to have. Yeah. And that's my point. I've been saying three weeks from now, going into the draft, if you only have D Hop and Rondale Moore in your room, and then all of a sudden Chris Olave is there at number twenty three. Guess what? Need does factor in. Wait a minute. To wait your a minute. picks. So now what are you doing with Rondale Moore? Because Olave would be your outside guy. Rondale Moore is going to play where Christian Kirk played this year. Sure, he could, yeah. He's That's versatile slot, enough. Though. He's versatile enough. Rondell Moore could be the slot guy. In that situation, he could be the slot guy. Either way, if Ron, ideally, Rondell Moore is Christian Kirk. He's your number three. He's your slot guy. You have D-Hop as your number one outside. You get a legit number two as the other outside. That's where I say Andy Isabella comes in as your number four no, I, as I your jet that. sweep guy. And by but the way, I think, I think, here's the graphic that I, I snapped. This was like April okay. 20th this of is, last this year. This for Joaquin. So, that was, <laughs> so, so the stat read 27% hit rate for a first-round receiver, the lowest among all but NFL we don't, positions. But we don't know what hit rate means either. And we don't know we don't know the sample size on that. He was just doing the last two years, right. so that's possible. I, I guess ultimately, if you're if you decide to put Rondale Moore on the outside, you're going back to where you were when Christian Kirk was your outside receiver, and I thought that was pretty much determined that that probably wasn't the way to go. I guess, but I, you know, is 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 Rondale Moore going to have the same exact results you think as Christian Kirk? Are you automatically presuming they're going to be 
both have that same lack of production and, and just a lack of familiarity and comfort comfort factor outside like Christian Kirk did. Um, I don't know. I, I Based on Sean Jefferson in, interview, that's not what I took from the receivers coach, Maybe, I guess is what I'm saying. I, uh, I Look, I, I'm not saying it, it can't happen. I'm just – I would be surprised. I think, I, too, I think there's going to be a lot of um, wide receivers in the free agency market, and that, you know, obviously could play a large role before the draft of finding a veteran wide receiver who can be that number two under D-hop and could fill in as the number one if they have to in that situation – and I think that would probably be a really great yeah. scenario for this Cardinals team because you're not having to necessarily take, again, if it works for you and that's what you want to do, but mm. you don't necessarily have to take a wide receiver at 23 if that's what happens. I mean, name some names. I can see the thought bubble over your head there, Danny. Here we go. Mike Williams, he's going to stay with the Chargers. We're just going to run down some names. He's staying. Chris Godwin got tagged by the Bucks. Michael Gallup, he's staying with the Cowboys. Allen Robinson might hit the open market. Keep him on the radar. Uh, how about a Juju Smith-Schuster? I brought up his name before. He doesn't look to be long for Pittsburgh. Now, was he a legit number one receiver after Antonio Brown left? No, he struggled when he got all that extra attention. But as a number two, he was very effective. Russell Gage is a name, a kid out of uh, for the Falcons. Now with the uh, with the Calvin Riddle, uh, right? And the uh, With that news coming out of there, maybe Russell Gage is more of a priority for the Falcons. We'll see. I know neither one of you likes the Will Fuller suggestion that I put out there. He's coming off the PED suspension and the broken finger. DJ Shark, if he ends up getting away from Jacksonville, six foot four, young guy, he could be a legit. He'd sort of be like a younger A.J. Green in a way, right? Uh, Jarvis Landry, is he going to be a cap casualty with the Browns? There's a lot of speculation. He's due $15 million five-time Pro Bowler. There is a guy you, he, I could see on a one-year make good, right, prove it type deal. And then what exactly is going to happen with Marquez Valdez-Scandling, uh, the Green Bay Packers, especially after Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? And, and I know a lot of people like to make the argument of a lot of players, some you listed, others like a name that I am looking at from my former employer of Amari Cooper with the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. A, a lot of people like to make the argument of why would one of these wide receivers who probably wants to be a number one want to come to the Arizona Cardinals when you have DeAndre Hopkins? But players, first of all, want to go somewhere where they can win. And that's the first thing. And second of all, DeAndre Hopkins gets double teamed. It's not like he's necessarily open all the time. So coming to a team with him, a player would still have plenty of option, plenty of um, opportunities to get the ball and to still make a difference. And that that I think is the key thing is, it's not necessarily you're coming here and DeAndre Hopkins going to get every single pass. Teams obviously account for him, and that leaves you open. I'm going to I know, slightly I, disagree. I know what's coming. You know what's coming. Players go to teams. Bring for, it, Darren. Players come to teams for two reasons before winning. Always, it's the money, and or then the opportunity to make more money. If you can win, goody for you. And <laughs> but. But if if you're talking about I'm gonna go and and take three million less dollars a year at this place and potentially make less impact on the field to win, hardly anybody's doing that. You if you are doing it, you're probably doing it at the end of your career. Or the team that is close to winning, that's the kind of player like AJ Green last year. AJ Green didn't have a giant market because for an aging receiver there's only so many places that make sense for him. This was a place that made sense, so he had a chance to win probably more than in Cincinnati, ironically enough. But, you know, I, I think ultimately 
I would agree with you more about the opportunity. If De, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is getting double teamed, you get more chances there. If you're com- coming on a short deal, I better be coming to a place where I can get a bunch of catches so that next year when I hit the open market, somebody's going to pay me a lot of money. And otherwise, I want the most money. And I, I just, I get the players say they want to win and everything. That's just, that's, I've been doing this for a long time, and that's just never the case. It's just never the case. When you guys are on the road, Danny, does he swear? Because, you know, goody on him, I think, to quote Darren there uh, directly, you know, moments ago. I mean, you know, he's, he's cleansing this up on I the road. I thought run. you liked that. Yeah, so I was just curious, like, you know, does does he uh, – does he ble- are there any bleeps involved when you're on the road with Darren? No, not a single one. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Wait, didn't we have a conversation about this that I cussed too much? Yes, we did. I believe we did. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to share that, Darren. No, that's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm an open book here on Cardinals Underground, I'll presented t- by Pacific Office Automations. <laughs> Ding. There you go. I'll tell you what would lead to an expletive by Darren Urban is if the following came true that was predicted on ESPN this morning when I flipped on the talking heads. And I don't know if this is a hot take segment by design, but they threw up some of the premier names oh, for okay. free agents. Oh, okay. Talking head, like – I, f- you know. I flash back to the group, and I'm like, wait, what? Oh, you know, just any yeah, sort of ESPN it. morning show, it, it's just a, a collection of people shouting and spouting off opinions, right? Like Half we're bake. doing. So <laughs> just <laughs> without the pancake makeup and the bright lights. And the question was, and they threw up some prominent names in free agency, where are they most likely to land? And the name to the big swagoo, what's who's the player again? Marcus Spears. Marcus Spears was asked about Chandler Jones, and his answer was, the L.A. Rams. And at that point, I did lead it, let out an expletive at that point and might have censored myself at Casa Calvisi when I saw that this morning because that would hurt if Chandler Jones went within the division and he ended up opposite Aaron Donald and he replaced Devon Miller, who may or may not go back to the Denver Broncos now that they have Russell Wilson. Okay, good riddance to Von Miller, get him out of the division. But if Chandler Jones goes to the Rams, I'm gonna need, I might have to take a week off work. Scary. It is. It is. And, and, and a motivated Chandler Jones along with Aaron Donald. Um, so we'll see because we're not getting the sense Chandler Jones. And it seems like every offseason edition of whatever content we're doing comes back to number 55. We're not getting the feeling that Chandler Jones is long for the Arizona Cardinals. Right, Darren? This does feel like a Calais Campbell, a Patrick Peterson Correct, a Tyron Matthew. It feels – well, Tyron was a little bit different. He was under contract, and they True. asked him to reduce his salary, and he didn't, so they, they released him. The other ones were and all – And Tyron actually went elsewhere for less. Yes. Then, then they were offering to give – Yes. To why? To Houston. To make more money and to get the opportunity to make big money. Point made, Darren. Thank you. You have to just, look me right in the eye. So just saying. That. Wow. I, you know, I, I'm trying to be professional here. Um <laughs> I I do think it feels a little bit like a lot more like Patrick Peterson. The the Calais thing, again, they made him an offer. Yeah. It, it was a decent offer. It wasn't anywhere near what the Jaguars were offering him. So you know that's fair. Remember when they issued later? I think it was Calais's own production, and they actually yeah. put out a video. That's true. There he was in his living room or at his palatial estate, wherever it was, and it was the moment of truth, and free agency had just opened, and he's fielding the calls from his agent who was in direct communication with the Jaguars, and then they would go back to the Cardinals to see if the Cardinals were willing to match, and the Cardinals were matching. The Cardinals went up to $12 million a year, but the Jags went to fifteen. And at that point, that I vividly remember that. He was the host of the Big Red Rage at that point. We're like, Calais. But then when Jacksonville just overshot the market, just really blew the salary structure 
out of the out, out of the water for that point in time for what a defensive lineman would command, especially at that age. That's when the Cardinals bowed out, and you know Calais ended up having a really good career, but you know it was just sort of that unknown. And Chandler Jones is going to be 32, and he is 30, isn't he? No, he are he hasn't. He's going to be 32 this season. Okay, and you know for a guy who obviously speed rush is a big part of his repertoire, you know, what exactly does the future hold? So if you're if you're investing in Chandler Jones, I don't know. Could he be great for the next three years? Absolutely. But he also went without a sack for eight straight games at one stage of this past season. So, you know, the film doesn't lie. I'm sure the experts are looking at the film and they're saying, okay, was he getting extra attention? What exactly was going on? Um, so. Most people think Chandler Jones – is a top five or top six free agent of all the free agents. Yep. And that's before the franchise tags. In fact, I have this list from The Athletic, and he was listed as the seventh best uh, free agent available coming on the market. However, number one, Devontae Adams, franchise. Number two, Orlando Brown Jr., uh, tackle for the Chiefs, franchise. Chris Godwin, Buccaneers receiver, franchise. C.J. Jackson, quarterback for the Patriots, he's on the market. Teron Armstead, the tackle from the Saints, he's on the market. Mike Williams, Chargers, has already re-signed with the Chargers. So according to this list, Chandler Jones is the third best free agent out of all of them Wow, that's going to be available. Interesting. Usually so, those guys yeah. get paid. Yep, and there are enough teams with enough cap room right now. Right, Darren? There are enough teams oh, yes. who need edge rush. Look, if you have the quarterback, then it's all about getting to the quarterback. Those That's 1-1A one one in the NFL right now in the game today. Those are the two most important things. And so if Chandler Jones is is that guy and he's available, he will get paid. It's going to happen. There's no doubt. What else from the Combine, by the way? Was there anything else that stood out to you guys from the Combine? I enjoyed the, uh, the Sauce Gardner stuff, you know. Man, he would look good in a Cardinals uniform. He ain't getting out of the top ten, though. I mean, is that for real? Six foot three as a corner, and he ran a four four one. I saw somewhere that they had just installed new turf in in the Colt Stadium, and they were thinking that that might be that might be one of the reasons why. Which I don't know how this works, but why the the times were so fast in the forty because everybody had fast times. Yeah. I didn't, I wouldn't have thought that would have necessarily made I such either, a difference. But I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I saw speculation. A lot of the scouts were rolling their eyes while watching the 40s because so many guys were so fast at this year's combine. Like, what's going on here exactly? And I hadn't heard that. New turf. I saw and somebody was saying that. Whether that yeah, the made offensive a line group was so fast. Exactly. <laughs> so, I tried peanut butter yeah. whiskey for the first time, Paul. Peanut butter whiskey. It was quite good. You know, I hate to say I don't know who makes that, but when I hear that, I'm like, okay, that whiskey maker is trying a little bit too hard. You know who who who, who created it? David nope. Wells. Not the Cardinals tight end, but the former pitcher. Former pitcher? Yes. It's called uh, – the, the brand I had yeah. was called Screwball. Who, 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 based on his on his career, he knows a thing or two about drinking whiskey. So it was good. That's, uh, I, I, I highly recommend okay. it. Okay. All right. There you go. That's uh, – at what point in the night did you try peanut butter whiskey? That we're not talking about that part of it, right? You don't get all the details, Paul. You get just because it was good, it was yummy, right? And that's it. Because <laughs> because there was there was like we it was on it was the big red raid actually, and we had to record Darren early because <clears throat> ostensibly eight o'clock at night for him was too late that he was going to be getting some sleep that night at the combine and that I, actually i and i said to Holmes, our fine producer jim Hunter, are we really buying that darren that eight o'clock is too late for darren urban on the road with I, the combine? i will say in general terms i i went in earlier 
on a more consistent basis on this combine than I ever have. I did one kind of late night that last late that last night, but for the most part, I was I was super good and uh, was uh, limited in my beverage drinking and. Many people were not. Once again, and that's that's one of those Pete Carroll statements that can be parsed, right? I was better than I've ever been at the Combine. Well, what exactly is that saying? <laughs> you, you know, as opposed to being out every night. Some of us aren't under 35. So, so. Yeah. It was 34. Or under 34. 34. 18 to 34 demo. Yes. Yeah. Here's one. You had the peanut butter whiskey. Yes. Um, Danny, what about you with the shrimp cocktail? Did you, did you partake of the shrimp cocktail at St. Yeah. Elmo's Steakhouse? You have to. Okay. It was so good. All right. I love a little kick. That cocktail sauce, the horseradish. There was a lot of kick there. How many were on the expense report? Did you? It was an all you can eat. You know eat? what? I no, mean, we were. There were four of us, and we were smart because three of us had been to the combine and been to St. Elmo's before, and I think had made the mistake of ordering too much, and so yeah. then you get too full for your meal. So there were four of us. So we only shared two shrimp cocktails mm-hmm. between the four of us. That was good. It was smart. It, we were smart. Saved room for the lobster bisque okay. for our meals. I heard, I heard someone ate their body weight in shrimp, though. Was that Grayson or you? Who was I, that exactly? I was shrimp. Okay. Yeah, I had shrimp in my meal. Okay. Uh, Grayson, our uh, fine videographer, editor, producer, was out there. I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm not going to share too much, although I don't think she'd be embarrassed. But she yeah. definitely, she definitely impressed us with finishing her meal. For for those people that don't know, and you might be able to find her 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 picture when she did her staff pics of her shooting on the on the sideline. But Grayson is a former college soccer player that uh, looks like she never eats, and yet she eats more than anybody I've ever seen. And she's proud life. of it. Oh yeah. She it's flaunts impressive. it, and she 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 put on a show. I will say that she, she must have impressive. the metabolism of a hummingbird she based on how much to. she pretty eats. much. I mean, honestly, it's unbelievable. Yeah, here's one though for you, um, Roger McCreary, the uh, the corner from Auburn. Yeah, right, all American, whose claim to fame was that he picked off Joe Burrow while he played at Auburn while guarding Jamar Chase. <laughs> That's that's a <laughs> that's a double flex. You're guarding Jamar Chase, and you picked off Joe Burrow yeah, while doing true. so in a game Auburn against LSU. Okay, so he's known for that. And one other thing, his pregame meal, which is a honking huge bowl of baked beans, plus he adds sugar. And as he demonstrated on the NFL Network, because they brought out the prop, it was a big old soup bowl of baked beans. Okay, a full family serving of baked beans, and he added sugar. The packets. And as he was preparing it, and he was great on camera, and he had it mic'd up, he said, not one packet, but seven or eight. And he just kept tearing packets and adding sugar, and he stirred it all up, and he started just wolfing it down. <laughs> and, and he says he does that before every single football game. The night before, he does it. I don't know, that's some sort of carb load? How do, you, load? how do you even start doing that? Like, what the first time do you say, hey, this is a good idea? First of all, three things. One, that sounds gross. Second of all, why would you want all those baked beans in your stomach before playing a game? That sounds silly. And third of all, I would love to hear what a nutritionist was thinking watching right. him put a seven or eight packets of sugar in his bowl of baked beans. We're going to have to ask Jessica next time we run into oh, her yeah, around here. We'll one. ask her, what do you think of that concoction? Because actually the host, she tried it, a spoonful. She tried it. She was complimentary, said it was very good. Now, of course, you know, he was the dinner guest, and she was probably being nice. I don't know. Did you stand next to – this six foot eight gargantuan dude from Minnesota, the tackle. This guy intrigued me more than anyone. Daniel Falali, uh, Falali. Uh, I mean, I'm totally butchering that. Anyway, six foot eight, 384 pounds, 
with a wingspan of 85 inches. That's basically a small passenger plane. Are you kidding me? And he reported to Minnesota as a freshman at 426. He's actually lost 45, 50 pounds and weighed in at 384, six foot eight. And uh, they say he's the Modern Combine's heaviest player ever by a good 15 pounds. And uh, so he was just intriguing just by the sheer measurements, the measurables of that dude was ridiculous. Some of the one-on-one drills, and he's dwarfing guys who are 6'3", 6'4". I'm sorry, say his wingspan again because I'm trying to do the math in my head and figuring out if that's longer than how I am tall. 85 inches is wingspan. So, and a hand size of 11 inches, 6'8", 384 pounds. And I'm 5'2". That's like the guy that Jets drafted a couple years ago. Makai Becton, they called him Mount Becton. That's longer than how tall I stand. Yeah, yeah, Makai. Yeah. But see, like, again, how does that translate into the league? And right. The measurables is always yeah. a fascinating thing. Somebody asked me in the mailbag yeah. this week about me- uh, measurables and what they mean and everything. I'm like, you know, I saw some list the other day about the the top 40-yard dash times in combine history. And, like, Chris Johnson was on there, and then pretty much everybody else were – Total bust or an unknown. Yeah. 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 Well, once again, John Ross, 4-2 flat, went number nine overall. Speaking of hit rate, Joaquin, how about John (laughs) Ross from the Cincinnati Bengals was a top ten pick? but with an M, not with an N. Okay. It's not Joaquin. Joaquin. (laughs) So I just thought I'd throw that out there. He's, he enjoys your work. Okay, no, he I said he likes I, you, Paul. And I enjoy. He doesn't like you anymore. I, but. No, I, no I, I enjoy. I enjoy mixing it up. I just, you know, any, any anyone who engages, you know, let's go. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Every question now in yeah. the mailbag regarding Paul has to be answered, Darren. And look, I mean, you know, if you use my philosophy, you never would have had Larry Fitzgerald. You never would have had Anquan Bolden. Then again, there's also Chad Williams, who's out there from a few years ago, right? That was a third Although, round pick. that was a third round pick. I, and I will say this, and now I know it's time to wrap this up, but yeah. at the same time, it's like the fits. I mean, when we start going back to 2003, 2004, and Anquan was a second round pick too, but like, I mean, those, that that was just a different time. Like, I don't even, the, no. the years when Charles Rogers and Mike Williams and, and uh, and finally, Calvin Johnson were all top five picks by the Lions in a row. Like nobody nobody does that anymore. It's the philosophies have well, changed. And, and here's the other thing that really argues in favor of Joaquin, and it's that only 40 receivers were invited to the combine last year. 55 were invited. So there's good quality. There's not a lot of quantity this year necessarily in terms of the receivers. So if the Cardinals go off after a receiver early in this draft, you know, don't be shocked by that. This has been really good advertising for Darren's mailbag because Joaquin's getting a whole lot of shout-outs. Right. Darren, how can people send That's you right. questions for the mailbag? Uh, well, if you just go to azcardinals.com yep. and go to any mailbag, the link is right there. Well, you know. You some can criticize Paul all you want. Somebody's or praise <laughs> Danny for that matter. I like the latter. Somebody's got to play the heavy. You know, if it isn't Craig Greel around here or the former Kyle, I disagree, Odegaard, someone's got to play the heavy on every edition of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.